Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com, part of the 440 Sports Network, brought to you by Zen Sports. And Jasper's here to talk to you about the Tennessee Titans. We're going to look at the offseason goals they talked about before this year. And they look pretty ridiculous given what's unfolded so far this season. We're going to look at A dot, average depth of target which is a stat that really um, seems kind of out of line for this team this year, given the pass protection issues. We're going to talk about my favorite free agent wide receiver that I think they should pursue when free agency rolls around. And we're going to talk about some of the crazy things that are floating around about Mike Vrabel. We're going to get right into it. When you run through what the Titans said they were going to change in the offseason, it's a really pretty embarrassing 10 games into the season, just how short they've come up of some of these goals. I went back and looked through some of the things they were saying at the combine, at OTAs in the spring, um, and, and at minicamp. <laughs> um, it's hard to hear some of it. Brace yourself. Points. The 2022 Titans with Todd Downing at offensive coordinator, averaged 17.5 points per game. Tim Kelly said, that's a very obvious quote, anytime we take the field, we want to be able to score as many points as possible. Obviously, that's one priority. They are currently averaging fewer points. 16.8 points a game, 0.7 points less than last year. It's pitiful. Um, they can't build drives because they have the third fewest first downs in the NFL, 16.9 a game. That's 5.1 fewer than the number one team in the league at first downs, the Buffalo Bills. They don't get the ball back from the defense, which doesn't turn it over, which we're going to get to here. They've scored 28, 27, 27. Those are their three true home games and their three wins. 16, 16, 16, 15, 14, 6, and 3. And we all know what's happened in 16, 16, 16, 15, 14, 6, and 3. Losses, all of them. You can't win scoring like that in the league, even in a year when offense is down, even in a year when red zone scoring is down across the league. They're just not cutting it. <clears throat> so they pledged to try to score more, to fix the scoring offense, and they've gotten slightly worse, which is really hard to do considering how bad they were last year. Protection which is really the fundamental issue of this team. Got Ryan Tannehill hurt. It's got Will Levis on the run. I've asked scouts. All right, no. All right. So this is Mike Vrabel talking in the offseason. This was at the Combine, I believe. I've asked scouts to look for players who have an element of speed, violence, and versatility. Look for offensive linemen that can protect the quarterback, whether that's Ryan whether that's Malik, whether that's Josh Dobbs, whoever that might end up being. 
I know we're going to find guys that exhibit the way we want to play within the framework of the rules, and they finish and they value staying between their men and the quarterback, and they finish longer than the guy with the ball. They have a level, level of durability. They can stay on their feet, and they can learn and understand what we have to do, and there's some instincts there. Particularly striking there is the level of durability. You know, I tend to uh, talk about luck with injuries. I, I don't don't think the strength and conditioning staff needs to be fired, but uh, we've just seen in short order Nicholas Petit Frere and Chris Hubbard go down. Andre Dillard's working his way back from a concussion. There's not been a, a terrific level of durability with the offensive line. Brunskill missed a, a game with the ankle. Um, so that, that's funny there. Their college scouts here answered the call with Mike Vrabel um, and contributed to Peter Skoransky, who's their best offensive lineman. It was a relatively easy choice at, uh, at number 11. But they've refused to give him any time at tackle and determined right out of the gate that he was going to play guard. We're about to learn a lot more about Jalen Duncan, a sixth-round pick out of um, Maryland. He looks like he's going to be the left tackle this week after the injuries to Hubbard, um, after um, Dylan Radens has done so poorly with NPF out probably for the year. And with Dylan Radins faring so poorly at left tackle, it looks like he'll go to the right. The pro scouting staff, Andre Dillard's a complete disaster. I think Vrabel's fingerprints are all over him, along with Rand Carthon. Hubbard gets praised largely for not being Dillard, um, but he needs needed a lot of help when he was out there, and he was by no means terrific. Daniel Brunskill, it's been okay. He's up and down a little bit, but he's also, you know, on the weakest unit of the team. He's a piece of it. No penalties for Daniel Brunskill, so you score him up for that. That's five ads, right? Skoransky and Duncan in the draft. Dillard, Hubbard, Brunskill in free agency. Collectively, it's, it's a huge fail. If they'd found what Vrabel had asked for there in five editions, in three of the five editions, they would not be terrible up front. So it's a fail. Five ads, and they've got the fifth most sacks allowed in the NFL with 35 through their 10 games, 11 weeks of the NFL season. The second highest sack percentage, 10.8% of their passing plays, and 26.7% pressure. So more than a quarter of the time when their quarterbacks have dropped back, they have faced pressure. Huge fail on offseason goal of improving the offensive line. Speed. Vrabel talked about wanting to be faster and to get faster, and they didn't get much faster at all. Chris Moore plays fast, and he's made some big vertical plays for this team, a, a really nice addition that has – a. Uh, distinct role, um, you know, and I think he's done really nicely with his opportunities. But they refused once again to add a real vertical threat in the passing game. It's as if they're allergic to such a thing. Aziz Al-Shair is fast, but he's he's fast at the expense of physicality. And so if he's not clean 
running um, around. Uh, if he's not clean, then running around a blocker takes some time. He's not going to be able to physically beat guys on a regular basis. The defensive line has not kept him clean often enough. Derrick Henry is slowing. Jack Gibbons is slow. Christian Fulton and, and Sean Murphy, Murphy Bunting have speed, but they don't play particularly fast. Roger McCreary is a bit slower than them. Elijah Molden is a good player, but it's not because of his speed. The safeties are slow. Vrabel talked about, I believe, in mixing tempos, and there was a lot of tempo talk in the offseason. Tim Kelly said, we want to make sure we're as efficient as we can be. Whether you want to call it tempo, playing fast, whatever it may be, we want to make sure we're efficient. Take the thinking out of it and play fast. Do you feel like this offense has played fast? Doesn't feel like it's played fast at all to me. Um, it, you know, I don't know if the guys are thinking or not, but Chigakonkwo hasn't look like a guy who's not thinking and is playing fast. And he was one of the two guys from last year's draft class who the team came into the season with a huge amount of promise for. Um, they, efficiency is not speed. Speed is speed. And in order to get faster as a team, you can't say, well, by maximizing our efficiency, we're going to get faster. You have to get faster people. And they did not add any significant amount of faster people. 27 guys currently on the 53-man roster were added this year. I did a quick run-through of those 27, and I would say speed was a primary factor for four of them. Tajay Spears, Aziz Alshair. Colton Dow and Anthony Kendall and Dow and Kendall really came in as special teamers. Not a lot of speed fail in the speed department stays on the list for next year. Turnovers defense talked a lot about turnovers percentage of drives ending in an offensive turnover. So this is a defensive stat in 2022 Titans took the ball away from the offense on 10.6 of the offense's drives. In 2023, they're down almost half, 5.8%. They have seven takeaways in 10 games, tied with Carolina for the fewest. They're at minus five in giveaway takeaway. And the worst in the league is minus eight. Last year, they had 20 takeaways. Right now, they're on pace for 12. They haven't figured out takeaways at all. The offense can't like think, hey, the defense is going to get us the ball back at some point here. There's going to be a moment or two in this game where we find ourselves with the ball at the 30-yard line and only need to make a couple plays or going to automatically get a field goal or anything like that. You know, they talk about hammering away. That, yeah, they're hammering away at the ball. and eh, It doesn't matter if they're hammering away at the ball. They don't intercept the ball. They don't force fumbles. They don't recover fumbles 
they, they do not take the ball away. It's embarrassing that from last year, with primarily the same cast of characters, and with this huge drumbeat of we need takeaways, we need takeaways, we need takeaways, that they're not even as good as they were last year when they were bad at it. No progress in takeaways. Regression from a bad spot in takeaways. Versatility. Heard a lot, especially from Tim Kelly, about versatility. Tajay Spears, versatile player. He can run, he can catch, he can block. But right now he's a role player for this team, right? He's not touching the ball a great amount. The front four, they can move around, but that's not new. What's new is that they're ineffective group. They hardly touch the quarterback anymore. Dylan Radens can play poorly at both tackles and at guard. Very versatile. All the tackles can play left and right. It's good. Most of them can get beat on either side. The receivers can move around. That's good. Roger McCreary uh, is a good nickel back, and he can move from nickel to outside, but you want him at nickel. All of this gives them some flexibility. It's not been any huge benefit to the team this year. I mean, I, I don't. offensive tackles who can flip, wide receivers who can play multiple spots, corners who can play inside and out, that's the norm in the NFL, isn't it? And anybody – I mean, are there guys in the NFL who – you know, outside of like major stars who, you know, can only rush from one side or only play outside nickel or, you know, are strictly a left tackle. You know, once you, once you get off of that major, major superstar and, and down, down one peg, are there guys who don't have that versatility? I think that's like generally expected. Here's Kelly in the winter or the spring. We want to have versatile players that can do multiple things for multiple formations, for multiple personnel groupings, and be out there and give the illusion of being complex, where the concepts may not change a whole ton, but the illusion of being complex and putting our guys in a position to go out and execute at a high level. Are the Titans fooling anybody with an illusion of being complex? You think that they're worried anymore about uh, presenting an illusion of being complex? I think that went by the wayside some some time ago. The things have gotten so uh, simple because the pass pressure puts such a clock on thing, because uh, the, the offensive line is in constant flux, because they lack speed, because they're not very inventive with what they try to do a lot of the time. Some of the, I mean, their inventive stuff when, when they get to it, it is good. I don't think they're getting to it often enough when they need some kind of boost. This talk of tempo that I mentioned earlier, we haven't seen them go tempo. <laughs> they need more plays, but they're, they're not hurrying. Uh, I, I think all of that stuff takes precedence over the illusion of being complex. Have we heard any talk about the illusion of being complex? Seems like it was a bunch of nonsense. Health. Health has been better. I, I know you maybe don't want to admit that. Not a big 
issue with hamstrings, groins, calves, soft tissue stuff continues to trend down. That's the kind of stuff they feel like they can prepare for to pre prevent. You can't prepare for concussions when Traylon Burks smashes his head on, on the turf. I know you want to blame the strength and conditioning coaches for Traylon Burks's knee and his concussion, but his injury proneness is more about him and, and you know, maybe about, I, I don't know what kind of guy he was coming in. I don't know. Um, Hubbard's elbow or bicep, Petit Freire's shoulder, I, I, to me, again, more bad luck things. They overestimated what you could get, what they could get from Harold Landry, you know, a year removed from, from the torn ACL, but I don't know what you're going to do there. You're on the hook for a big contract. He's, you know, quote unquote healthy, certainly healthy enough to be out there. What could you do there? I don't think they're, they're terrible in the health department. NPF's the only guy on IR right now who's really missing in terms of a potential piece. Kiaris Jackson would be nice to have in the punt return mix. Um, but I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think injuries have been a super killer for them this year. Burks is a big disappointment and that that's a, a main guy that you would have liked to have seen out there to see if he could make the progress that the, they were expecting from him. But, but otherwise, you know, you, you haven't, and Tannehill, but that opened the door for Levis, um, Otherwise, main guys have, have mostly been around. Explosive plays. Here's one that you're going to like. Shane Bowen said the, the first time he talked in the offseason, we gave up too many X plays last year. We've got to be better in 2023. We have to enhance our pass coverage. Make these offenses earn it and drive the field. Enhance our pass coverage. Last year, I don't have the numbers in front of me, unfortunately. Now the Titans defense has given up 34 pass plays of 20 yards or more through 10 games. They wanted to get the pass attempts down, and they are down. Pass attempts against the Titans ranked 26th in the league, but they've given up the ninth most rushing attempts because they're no longer a good run defense. So how do you weigh that? There's a, a big trade off that. Last year, they had the most passing attempts against them, 46, but the third fewest, uh, third fewest rushing attempts. So how do you want it? I, I think you'd certainly, um, you know, you don't want big pass plays against you. And I don't think you look at this year and say, hey, no more X plays, or, you know, they've significantly cut down on the X plays. They're giving up, uh, you know, three and a half a game, and uh, and they certainly don't come at. Uh, they're certainly coming at less than ideal times, uh, and consistently hurting the Titans in in ways. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett doesn't make any big throws against anybody, and the Steelers on on Thursday night football managed to find what was it, a thirty two yard pass up the right side to go score the game-winning touchdown that the Titans then couldn't find a way to match. Those are the kind of things that have killed this team. And they've preached, you know, got to stop X plays, got to stop X plays, got to stop X plays. Has not happened. I am brought to you by Zen Sports, as you can see up over here.
uh, find sponsor. Listen, if you live in Tennessee, this is uh, this is a great place to gamble. Go to zensports.com uh, online and download the app or just go to the app store and find them. Get the app and sign up and use the code TNPAUL. Very simple. If you use the code TNPAUL and you're not a member of my site, which is crazy if you're a Titans fan, <clears throat> they will give you a free membership to my site. So outside of uh, betting at a fine new site, and all the benefits that they give you, you'll get a free membership to my site for a year. All the great content at my place, everything I write, and all the private uh, video chats that I do with the membership, which is great stuff because there's not a lot of riffraff in there. I do it Thursday night football at halftime. I do it from the press box after the game. You get Blake Bettingfield scouting reports ahead of the game and after the game. You get Mike Herndon's Wednesday column that brings an analytical perspective and more. Um, and you get all that for free just for making a $10 bet at Zen Sports. If you're a member of the site, you go there. But when you your bets add up to $250, which I'm sure you're going to turn into a lot more than that, they'll give you another $250. So it's a great deal. I can't encourage you enough to go to Zen Sports, sign up using TN Paul, and uh, good things will happen for us all get over there. I wanted to talk to you about a dot. And if you're not familiar with a dot, a dot is average depth of target. I, I don't think most people think of the Titans as a. Uh, you might think of them as a team that takes some deep shots, but I don't think most people think of them as a team that is regularly throwing the ball um, far downfield to the point where they would rank high in the average depth of target. Um, we've talked so much about pass pressure against the Titans and what an issue it is. Uh, targeting players deep takes time, obviously. So you'd figure it'd be hard for the Titans to fare well in this department. But Will Levis ranks first in the NFL with an average depth of target of 10.4 yards. And you might think, well, big arm, quick release, he's making it happen. That's not so much the Titans, it's just him. But th that's wrong. Ryan Tannehill is tied with Deshaun Watson for second in average depth of target at 9.3 yards. It's pretty good that Will Levis is 1.1 yards better than the next best guys. Tannehill got rid of the ball quickly, right? Pretty quickly, 2.71 seconds per next gen. That's the ninth quickest in the NFL. So he was getting the ball downfield and pretty quickly. It's that's impressive work. Levis holds the ball for 2.84 seconds. That's 21st. So he's throwing it deep and holding it long. That makes sense because you need time to let these things develop. But how's he finding time when the line's so bad? Well, I, I talked to Blake Bettingfield. Uh, who I mentioned earlier, who writes uh, on Fridays and Mondays off of a Sunday game, uh, scouting preview and scouting review at the site. And he said he basically is finding time by taking the extra shots, uh, physical shots, that most veteran quarterbacks are unwilling to, to endure, that the quick release is helping him and his arm strength because he doesn't have to be perfect with his setup to deliver all of them good qualities. But he's holding it too long too because he's he's young and he's not a natural field reader either 
So there's good and bad to it. These are things that we should be keeping our eye on as he develops more over the next seven games, as we monitor how he reacts to the pass pressure and the lack of protection, uh, trying to stay healthy under fire. He didn't practice on Tuesday. Um, And as, uh, you know, we see what the Titans targets do downfield. Average depth of targets pretty good but not a lot of run after the catch necessarily and obviously not a lot of speed to get downfield. So it'll be interesting what the Titans do in terms of getting him weapons beyond this year. And I'll talk a little bit about somebody I'd really like to see them make a push to add after this season. I'm also brought to you by Jasper's, which I can't tell you how much I like Jasper's. It's a great restaurant on West End in Nashville. It's between Midtown and Downtown on West End Avenue. I'm a big fan of the bolognese and the Cuban sandwich. When I go there, I'm torn between the two. I need bolognese. But um, both really good. Free parking, which is a huge rarity in Nashville. Parking is a huge pain in the ass in this city and usually can cost you a pretty penny. You don't have to add that to your lunch or dinner tab when you're going to Jasper's. Um, It's a great place for a date night or a family night or a business lunch. Um, you can play pop a shot or air hockey or uh, get some other games for free while you're waiting on your meal. If, if you want to pass the time and have some laughs like that, drinks are cold. Service is great. The menu is terrific. I uh, can't recommend it high, highly enough. They've got a grab and go market too. If, uh, if you're in the area there and you don't have time to stop, but you want to uh, grab grab some food to take home. They also have some uh, Nashville souvenir stuff. So if you've got somebody in town for a visit, it's a good place to stop to let them do a little shopping. Can't recommend it highly enough. Jasper's on West End in Nashville. Check it out. My free agent wide receiver. I know the Titans fan base is hot and heavy for T. Higgins. I think that Cincinnati is going to do everything it can to hold together its core And for Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins are monumental. And I think they'll do everything they can to keep T. Higgins. I don't think he's making it to the market. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I think, might make it to the market. And we just saw him in Jacksonville do some damage against the Titans. Uh, Seven catches for 103 yards and two touchdowns. He's 6'1 and 190 pounds. So I've been talking about the Titans' need to be willing to sacrifice some size for some speed. That, not that they have to go tiny. And he's not tiny. I think he's acceptably big. He's Chris Moore's height, but he's 10 pounds lighter. But he ran a 4-4-3 five years ago coming out of Bama. Uh, I, I think he's an incredibly appealing player. The question, I think, from the Titans' perspective would be, can he run block well enough? Now, you know, I don't like to lean on PFF, but I, I haven't watched him enough to, to know what kind of run blocker he is. For PFF's scouting eyes, he was in the, scored in the 60s for his four years in Atlanta. He's around 56 in Jacksonville this year, but he had a game in the 80s a game in the 70s. For context, Nick Westbrook-Akine, he's like at 87 this year. He's the Titans' best run-blocking wide receiver. But uh, Kyle Phillips is in the 50s. 
DeAndre Hopkins is around 60. Burks last year when he was going well uh, was 76. Tells me he's a willing blocker, he's a capable blocker. I think the Titans could get him to be better at it, better enough where you're sacrificing a little size, a little blocking, getting yourself a faster, better receiver who brings you something that you lack and would fit nicely into the receiving core. I love him. I want him for this team. Spotrack uh, projects that he would be worth a four-year, $59 million contract, averaging just under $15 million a year. That's completely affordable for the Titans now, given their salary cap situation. These projections typically come in, I think, a little bit low based on the market taking off and the money that's out there. <clears throat> Wanted to finish up by talking about just a few of the crazy things that are being said about Mike Rabel out there. Like, he doesn't care, or he's checked out. Mike Rabel cares very deeply. I, I mean, are you familiar with the guy's career? He's a super competitive guy. He's an alpha. means the world to him. The idea that he doesn't care or he's checked out is just ridiculous. There are plenty of things you can complain about with Mike Rabel this year. Nobody on this team's developed a great deal. I think the talent is very poor, but still there should be some guys that you could look to and say, well, there's a glimmer of hope in this guy or like what I've seen from that guy. And I don't think there are a lot of examples of, of that. Uh, you know, he's, he's stubborn on some things, um, inflexible. But to say that you think that the fire's gone out of the guy or he doesn't care, you know, or people are saying, look, they're, they're, he looks like a beaten man up there. Well, of course he looks like a beaten man. His team is three and seven. He's been a winner his whole life. If he was up there and he looked refreshed, uh, like he'd just been on vacation in Jamaica, what would you be saying then? It makes no sense. Like, I, I don't know what you want him to look like. But believe me. He cares. And believe me, he's not checked out. What are the right things for him to say now? What is the exact proper body posture for Mike Vrabel right now? You don't like that he's miserable because they're losing. But if he looked different, you'd be critical of that too. Imagine, uh, you know, him looking loose and comfortable on the sideline. He'd get even more abused for that. So everybody's kind of in a no-win situation because of the no-winning. And I think it, it, it's reasonable to ask that you be kind of conscious of that while you're judging a, a terrible season. If they do win, if they do what's expected of them against the Panthers, is he allowed to be happy while it unfolds? Or are we going to take a screenshot of him smiling during a win over the Panthers and say, look at this guy, he's smiling, and they're 4-7 and seven after this game. How dare he? You know, you could take a screenshot of virtually anything in life and it could look bad. Um, think about that for yourself. Uh, it, it's a really easy thing to do. So does he have to measure like exactly how he looks during a win in a terrible season? And how much thought do you want him devoting to that? when many of you would prefer that, you know, he not sleep 24 seven and be completely focused on, on 
on football. Um, see how you kind of put him in a situation where there's absolutely nothing he can do. I overparse what he says and what a lot of people say. It's, it's not my best quality uh, by any means. I catch myself oftentimes after I do it and then say, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Or I need to be conscious of that next time. And I fall back into it. But, I, but some of the things being thrown at him now are overparsing uh, his, his body language and, and his look, I apologize for con contributing to overparsing some of the things he says. I don't think I'm overparsing the kind of things that are being overparsed, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, like in terms of his his uh, worn downness or his uh, his his into the job. The guy's into the job. The guy wants to be here. The guy's working hard. All of these things. It. it it's ridiculous to suggest otherwise about him at this stage. He's not going to say the talent is bad, but we all know that it is. If you're listening to me, if you're watching me, um, and please hit like, subscribe, review, any opportunity that you have for that, you know that uh, you know, I think this whole thing starts with the talent. It doesn't let Mike Vrabel off the hook for his role in it and for the job he's supposed to do, but give this team a decent hit rate from 2018 to 2022 with Isaiah Wilson, Caleb Farley, Rashawn Evans, three first rounders, four first rounders, Traylon Burks, Dylan Radins, a second rounder, Darrington Evans, Monty Rice, and Malik Willis, three third rounders. And you could have, if you give them a reasonable hit rate, five stars on a team with a very few of them. How much better do you think Mike Vrabel would be as a coach if they had hit better on those, how many guys did I just list? Eight? There's so many issues with this team. We all know that. But keep reminding yourself what the root cause is, really. Bitch about whatever you want. Just remember what the underlying cause is. I, th I think that's a reasonable ask. And I think that's an important thing if you're going to have an intelligent discussion uh, or complain intelligently about the state of the team that you root for. Uh, check out Zen Sports. Use TN Paul to uh, start your membership there. Head to Jasper's. Have a really happy Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for all of you. And I'll leave you with a very important message. Don't block the box, but please be very sure to lock your locks.